All right, so we have not done an episode for a while. That's my fault. I've been slacking. I've been busy. I've had life, but we're back on. It's not about the past, it's about the future. And today we are going to talk about the NFL, the NBA, and Champions League soccer because we're a comprehensive show. So let's get right into it. So with the NFL, if you've not been paying attention, the big issue is the Lamar Jackson situation. Essentially, Lamar Jackson plays for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, They essentially uh, have not given him a new contract despite the opportunity to have given him a new contract uh, for a couple of years now. And now he they've essentially um, put a non-exclusive franchise tag on him, which means other teams can potentially swoop away a potential or a former MVP. And the big issue is actually we're not hearing a lot of movement. We're not hearing a lot of movement on that front. So it seems a little weird. So a lot of people are saying, is this collusion? Um, And not in the sense that, I guess, yeah. So I think there is collusion in the sense that I think everyone wants a common goal. And when I say everyone, I mean the NFL owners. They do not want to set a precedence where these players are getting guaranteed contracts. So I think everyone, whether behind closed doors or openly, I'm sure it's in a room where all cell phones are banned and all the all the all the good stuff, you know, um, they don't want another Donald Sterling situation um, where they've essentially just kind of like handshake, wink, wink, know that they're all going to band together to uh, not agree to what it seems Lamar's terms are, which are a fully guaranteed deal. Um, You know, and I see both sides of it, to be honest with you. Obviously, um, Lamar is probably looking at other players that he is better than um, getting better deals than him. Um, But from an owner standpoint, it just seems like... You may mortgage your franchise for a couple of years, especially with an injury-prone quarterback. If you, if he essentially has guaranteed money and he can't play, and God forbid it's a, a, a devastating injury, then you, you pretty much are locking up a lot of your money into into one player. So um, I see both sides of it. So we'll see how that moves forward in in, in the future, but. It seems like, you know, a lot of people think that it's going to be a obvious divorce from Baltimore, but I don't know, you know, again, if the market does not, it is not favorable for Lamar, I can see him being like, okay, you know what, um, some money is better than no money. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, the other big situation is the bad man himself, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I used to be a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Uh, I actually live in Chicago and I should hate Aaron Rodgers. He should be my sworn enemy, but it just, all these years and when I first started getting into football, it just seemed like, like he just always whooped Chicago's ass. Um, and it was just kind of fun to watch and, you know, on, on whatever level, I just love good players and elite play, whether it's basketball, soccer, you know, football, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, um, track, swimming. I love 
players at the peak of their powers dominating. And so I like watching Aaron Rodgers for some time. I'll admit it. But I mean, he off the field stuff and it's not even really, you know, major, major stuff like he's beating up babies or anything like that. But just I mean, you, you just get the sense that that Aaron Rodgers and Kyrie Irving are cut from the same cloth in that they think that they are always the smartest person in the room. You know, they just think that they think and operate on a level greater than anyone else. And, and, and people, they're, they're so deep that, you know, people can't really get them. And yet, um, they're both actually in a similar situation, um, which we can actually get into in that now they're both up for contracts. And, you know, you kind of get this kumbaya, what is life? You know, there's more to life than money vibes from them, except when it's time for them to get paid. So, um, the, you know, then 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 they become one of the, the, the real people. So um, essentially, uh, the funny thing is, and I, I, I don't want to misquote anyone, but I think he did say right from this offseason, like, you know, the one thing he is not going to do is hold the team hostage and whatever his decision, he is going to make it very quickly, which is literally the exact opposite of what he's done. Like, it's like crazy. It's I mean, it's interesting, but it seems like um, the team has soured on him and his BS and what he's done time and time again. And so it seems that they're trying to move on and most likely he's going to sign with uh, the New York Jets. Um, and it seems that they, they're they ready to win. All they think they're missing is a quarterback. So what's going to be interesting to see is whether this pans out to be like a Tom Brady situation when he went to the Buccaneers versus... Uh, a Denver Bronco situation with Russell Let Him Cook Wilson, um, who's cooking up a he's cooking up a disaster out there in Denver. So um, we'll see, we'll see. You know, because again, it seems that it, it's so hard to fathom a drop off just just being so epic like that. So uh, you know, honestly. I will say that I thought Clay Thompson was done too, and he has almost kind of proven me wrong. So I would have to say I'm going to err more on the side of the Tom Brady where I think he has something to prove and I think he he plays well. And in a new environment, um, you know, I, I do think on the football football wise, um, he is a smart player. Uh, the big question is whether the talent can maintain, but I think if he has enough talent around him, he can be through enough to make all the right decisions so we will see how that works out too so um that is going to be another interesting interesting situation so uh we're going to take a break here and then we are going to come back and we are going to talk about the mba All right, so we're back. Um, so let's get into the NBA a little bit now. So I have a confession. I mean, and I probably should not admit this given that I am giving commentary on the NBA. I 
I don't really follow the NBA like I used to. And and I don't know why. And I've been talking to a good buddy of mine, and we usually like talk sports back and forth. Uh, and he's the same way. And we've been trying to figure out exactly what has been going on with, you know, because I used to be a huge, huge basketball head. About a decade, decade and two, 15 years ago, even um, early 2000s. I mean, by far and away, the sport I watched the most was the NBA. Uh, the NBA, then obviously, um, I didn't watch football at all. I didn't watch American football at all. I would watch, you know, some, some soccer, obviously European League, but 90% of the sports I watched was the NBA. I would watch some track before anything else. I'd watch, uh, not before the NBA, of course, but before NFL. Uh, I would watch swimming before NFL. Um, And now a lot of it is flipped. And I'm trying to understand what exactly has made that switch between the NFL uh, and the NBA. And it just kind of feels like they've created a product that in the NFL in which there seems to be more meaning to the week to week games, right? The NF NBA, what they, what they've done, um, is, which is good, but I think it's going to come back to bite them in the ass is they've given a lot of player empowerment, um, which is good, but now you have people, and I have to call him out because, again, it's a player I used to love, but now I've kind of soured on him uh, as well, is Kawhi Leonard. Um, I think his load management, you know, history and the way he kind of goes about it is just very, very annoying. I mean, because if you have a league where every time I want to watch a game, what happens is I'm like, oh, the Clippers are playing. And then I'm like, eh. You know, before I used to be excited, like, oh, man, it's going to be a great matchup between the Clippers and the Lakers. You have Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George, you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. And then, eh, you get to the game and it's Luke Kennard and, uh, I don't know, whatever backup that, that that's playing. And, you know, it's, uh, it's man and it's, you know, it's like, what the hell is this? It, you know, personally, if I were paying for these games... I would be pissed because essentially you are charging me a price to come and watch a certain level of talent play. And if you are purposely, and I, I don't I don't even remember, I think maybe someone tried to sue for this once on some frivolous lawsuit, but it is a thing where I am not motivated to watch a lot of the NBA games because I do not know who is actually going to suit up, injury or not. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say like, hey, Steph is injured uh, with the wrist and I know he's coming back, but I know once he's back, he's going to play. You know, I mean, Anthony Davis is supposed to be in his prime on a night to night. I don't even know when he's going to play. So why should I invest my energy and excitement into into a match when half the time you don't know who is suiting up? And then it's like, even if it's a good game, you lose that. Eh, yeah, the other team won, but would they have won if Anthony Davis was there, you know? And so what ends up happening is most people just start saying, well, you know, if they're not going to take it seriously, I'm going to only start watching it when the playoffs are around the corner. So I have been watching the NBA a little bit more now, 
But that's partly why I couldn't do a lot of these episodes because I just wasn't watching the games like that. And you have to blame the players. I don't. I can't even blame the league because I think the league tried to do the right thing. And I think a lot of these players and the teams. And again, if you wanna, if you wanna blame Popovich for thinking he was too smart, and you know, some some of these these people where it's like, hey, I'm just gonna rest my players, um, my important players. But then, you know, the problem with certain things is, you know, you're ahead of the curve if you're the only one doing it and it comes to your benefit. But then you see what happens when everyone essentially cheats the system or tries to be smart. Then it just becomes a thing where it doesn't work because the system breaks down. And personally, that's just that's just my thing. I don't know. Maybe there are some high school kids who can't get enough of the NBA. You know, I mean, I used to be the person who used to look up stats and average free throw percentage on a daily basis and who's what and, you know, is, you know, is, is Nash shooting better than the whiskey? You know, I used to be really into all of that stuff. And now it's just kind of like, eh, eh. And I think a huge part of it and what it has to do with it is the fact that it's hard to be engaged when it seems like the players aren't fully engaged in the regular season. So we will see what happens uh, with the playoffs. But, you know, that's just my little diatribe about um, not being as engaged, which I probably shouldn't have admitted. Now let's get to the meat and potatoes of, of the actual topic and one of the big things. So one of the big things that just happened is obviously Kyrie was unhappy in the, um, you know, the next year Nets. Um, um, and essentially he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy with what was going on. They weren't looking like they were going to play him. Um, he demanded the trade. Now he's on the Mavericks and things have not gone great. They've not gone horrible, but they've not gone great. Uh, not what you would expect. It's like they're right there, right there, right there, right there. And then they lose. Oh, just like the Nets used to be. So when, when I made a statement, I think, in one of the episodes earlier at night, when I tell people that, like, hey, I would take Drew Holiday over Kyrie, they laugh like, nah, 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 nah. And, you know, and this is another segue, but, you know, these are probably the people that would run a team like Michael Jordan. Um, and I don't even know what Michael Jordan's logic when he's picking players are, but yeah not good not great and my point in that little dig was to show that listen there is being pretty and then there is being effective uh i had this same discussion when it came down to um essentially if you have a player like Shaq, you have a player like Giannis, where um yeah they'll get you 30 points is it gonna be pretty no is it going to be effective? Yes, because it's 30 points versus the the hezzy Jimbo, the, you know, the step backs and the, you know, the nice paved fillaway thing. You know, it's like, oh, it looks good. It's a fake. It's a whatever. It looks good, but it's a miss because it's a difficult shot fading away between three people spinning backwards and it's a less efficient shot. So you have one, you have on one side, an easy-to-make, efficient shot that is more guaranteed versus a shot that looks nice, which is better for the viewer, I will admit. I'm not going to say that I don't like that, and I didn't find Shaq incredibly boring. However, that is for the viewer. 
if I am making a team, right? I don't, I care what the viewer care, wants about, but my ultimate thing is to win. And the thought that you would take Kyrie Irving, who is, for one, not always available, right? But two, like, of all the things that makes a good basketball player, one of those attributes is scoring. And the guy does nothing else. He does nothing else. He's a bad leader. He's a bad rebounder. He's a bad defender. You know, he's a point guard that's a bad passer. Like, like, like what, <laughs> what else does he do well, right? Besides, you know, a layup package. Whereas you have a Drew Holiday that can score. Don't get it twisted. He can score, right? But because there's so many other parts of his game and he can be so versatile, he doesn't have to. And he can impact the game in about five other ways that Kyrie Irving could never. And the difference is in what you see in that you have one team that has a winning culture in Drew Holiday's team. And of course, you're gonna say, oh yeah, well, it's obviously easy to say, well, one, one of them also has Giannis. But yeah, they're building a culture there where they're both, Drew Holiday is not seen as a sexy player either. And Kevin Durant is. It's, now, now Kevin Durant is, is, is absolutely amazing because I mean, for the shots in which he takes, for how efficient he is, it is absolutely mind blowing. But you just have two players and you have a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving versus a Giannis and Drew Holiday. You know, one is exciting and the, you know, their, their handles and their skill set is high. And the other is just some drum, you know, they just go out and just be fishing and win. And it seems a lot of people would rather take the former than the latter. And every team keeps making the same mistake again. How many teams does Kyrie have to be on before every team realizes, you know, that beyond the years in which he did not win in the in the Cavs before LeBron got there, they were terrible. They were an absolutely terrible team. LeBron comes back, they start winning. You know, they had the questionable, you know, championship where Iguodala got hurt and Bogut was hurt and, you know, everyone was kind of hurt and whatever. Then they had to chase down block, but whatever. And and they had Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. They had Kevin Love, who was only a, a 25, 12 guy, but people try to act like he was a bum and, and their team wasn't good. I mean, just kind of ridiculous stuff in which they did have a good team. Like the team was good. Um, they had good players. They had teams that always wanted to play with LeBron for a discount. Um, against the Warriors, who I always thought, and I liked them because I thought they overachieved. You know, people people look at the end product and say, like, oh, yeah, obviously. No, there's nothing obvious about the, the Warriors team. You know, the, their highest draft was Steph in, and I think he was seventh, right? Like, Clay wasn't a top three draft like Love. Clay wasn't a top three draft like Kyrie Irving. Clay wasn't a top three drive, draft like, you know, like LeBron. Uh, Draymond wasn't a top three, you know, so they built something and I respect that. And so I, I can't fault a team for overachieving, 
um, but I can't, you know, and, and but then it's like every single time, it, again, going back to the Nets where it's like, oh, but it's this and, you know, uh, they have good players. They underachieved. You look at the Lakers too, too, like, uh, you know, the, the what's left of like Westbrook and what's, you know, Anthony Davis not producing and LeBron James, you should have two top 10 like arguable two top 10 players in arguable two top top 15 players, right? You should be in a better position than you are right now. So again, I, I really don't know like who, who you can kind of blame on that, but we're kind of getting, you know, aside, we need to kind of get back to the topic in that, you know, Kyrie Irving does not win. He does not win. And he's not, he doesn't win, win winning basketball. I shouldn't say he's not a winner, but he doesn't play winning basketball. And you've seen it with the Cavs. You know, you saw it with the Cavs before LeBron got there. You saw it too with the with the Celtics when he when he went there. They got better. They were better before he was there and after he left. Right? Same with the Nets. I don't think he had a winning record when he was asked to do it alone. Definitely when he wasn't asked to do it alone. And besides like the small spell when he was with Harden, you know, they didn't really do well either. So, and again, with the Mavs, small sample size, but yeah, they're a little bit better without him, you know, by eye test and by record test. So how many more times do you need to see this, that this is not a player that impacts your winning? And so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Things can still change. And yes, he is capable of that nuclear dynamic. But he's a player where essentially similar to Mbappe, everyone needs to do the work for him. And I'm in no way comparing Kyrie Irving to Kylian Mbappe, right? However, their play styles are kind of different. And it is a fantastic segment for us to get into Champions League soccer. Lego. All right. So now to get into some football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. It's dope. You should check it out. So some of you might turn off. Some of you might actually be tuning in because I don't know. It is the most popular sport in the entire world. But again, that's a debate for another day. Let's get into it. Right. So I don't really watch MLS. I have to admit, I don't really watch MLS soccer. But, you know, uh, Bundesliga follow uh, obviously English Premier League. Uh, La Liga, um, you know, I watch a couple of other, you know, big teams and in some of the other European clubs and obviously World Cup or big international friendlies is is really uh, what what I watch and what we focus on. So, you know, now we're kind of getting to, um, can I actually use meat and potatoes again for the third time? Yes, I will. We're getting to the meat and potatoes again of the Champions League. Uh, I really could have used a different word, but I'm like, hey, why not? We'll stick with the theme of meat and potatoes. And uh, we have a couple of interesting ties, but the one I really want to focus on is uh, Bayern versus Man City. So a little background. I mean, Bayern is my team. Uh, I'm not even sure why I like them, but I have liked them for a lot of years now. Um, I mean, they're a little anti-competition in that they usually poach 
their competing team's best players and add it to their team, which makes them stronger and at the same time makes the other team weaker. Um, but whatever, you know, uh, it sounds like a winner's, you know, uh, pedigree and, and mentality to me. So whatever. I mean, so they tend to do that in the German league, which might be a little annoying, but um you know you can kind of say that they they tend to use that to dominate the league but then you can't argue that they also tend to use that to dominate europe they they do i mean go and look at their record for um the group stages in the past decade of performances and of course as a fan i'm probably a little biased in that you know every single time they've lost they've had a major injury that that was there whether it's Arjen Robin that was injured, Ribery that was um, injured, or Lewandowski not being available. Uh, they've always had like their key talisman that was unavailable, um, and and they weren't able to pull it off. But they consistently perform well, um, and um, you know they do it in an interesting way. And so anyway, they are matched up against Man City, who are. My other team, <laughs> uh, the team I like most in the EPL, mostly just because I love Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, I like a lot of their players. I like their, you know, they play exciting football. They tend to score a lot of goals. Um, and so it, it's like one, one A, one B, kind of hard to tell. And now they are paired up against each other. So I am like, Ugh. but personally, I have, I wanted to see these teams go head to head in the Champions League. Preferably at a final, uh, well, actually, no, a semi-final. And the reason why is, as nice as it is, as it is um, for it to be a final, to be on the biggest, you know, on the last game, the final is always only one match, and it's always at a random site. I honestly wish they would keep the format for the final the same as the other two. Uh, I'm sorry, as the rest of the competition, where you play two legs, one at your home, one, one away, um, because then you get two matches. It's more exciting. There's always the let's see how this team responds away. And, you know, as opposed to the random neutral side, it's one game and anything can happen. And personally, um, so that's why I actually prefer the big teams to play before the final, because the final always seems a little fluky to me. It really does. The final always seems a little fluky to me. And it's never as interesting as the semifinal ties. So I'm actually glad they're getting the play before the final, because now we get two matches. We get to see adjustments, which is the other thing I love. And that's one of the things we love about the NBA is how is a team that's going to adjust? You see it so many times when one team blows another one out the first game, even the second game, and then the third game, the coach matches some, you know, I think it just gets to the coach is part of the team. And and sometimes the ghost, the coach, um, the coach tries to get a little too cute. <coughs> Pep Guardiola. Um, and sometimes you wish you could see them have an opportunity to, well, actually a lot of the times they're out before the final, so that's not really an excuse, but but, but still, like it, it just seems like you would. I would rather like to see a lot of involvement of the coach um, and with a second leg, being able to make adjustments, I think it involves the coach a little bit more. So that is my personal thing. So, but the stage is set. Um, and the odd makers are coming in, and I think there's a slight favor in Man City over Brian. And it, and you know, I watched this ESPN show. I'm not gonna name it, uh, but it's it's just it's really just trash. I mean, but there are not a lot of sports 
good sports shows maybe probably in europe and maybe i just need to get access to them but um the one that espn produces is, is absolute garbage espn hit me up if you want some suggestions um but it's just you know the the pundits on there are kind of like eh they're, they're very eh, to be honest with you. And so a lot of their analyses are also kind of whatever. And and I, and I like them, you know, getting into some of like the personal stuff. But half the time, it seems the show is more about like personal stuff and inside jokes that no one else gets. And anyway, um, so they've given their opinions anyway. And they tend to think that Man City should be able to walk through this, which... Um, okay, yeah, sure. Like, it, it, I can see it because Bayern are a lot more inconsistent, especially this season in that they've dropped a lot of points to, to teams they had no business dropping points to. Um, and, you know, the, the big thing and the big glaring difference is obviously up top and the scoring of um, you're looking at Erlen Haaland versus like Chupamoting, um, you know, where it's not a boxing match. I mean, it's obviously a team sport, but you can't say that you would, you know, give Bayern any other significant advantage in any other position as a whole. So I can kind of see how, you know, if I had to be completely neutral and, you know, it's always interesting. It's kind of like one of those things where um, you ask a parent like, you know, who, which is your favorite kid and i'm sure they're all gonna say oh i love all my kids equally until push comes to shove and we're gonna get a little dark here but you know there's a gun to one of the to all of them's heads that you have to like you know no 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 the middle one's my favorite you know uh or something like that you know so um you know it's kind of like this i am finding through this that as much as i call both my teams i do really like Bayern a little bit more um and so anyway I think it's going to be excellent. I think there are two teams where I don't know if I have personally ever seen Bayern lose a possession game um, and neither Man City. I've never ever seen um, Man City get out possessed. So that's one of the things in which I kind of want to see as as to who has like the the you know the possession edge uh, obviously i think the finishing edge you you just have to go to man city and their last couple of games now i mean they're just in scintillating form um i mean if you had to pick the best player in both teams again you still have to you have to give it to 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 de bruyne so it, it almost is still you have to feel that you know it's gonna be a hell of a matchup but you still get the sense that it's Man City's to lose in that if they don't do their usual, by they I mean Pep, their coach, doesn't do their usual overthinking, over analysis, trying to get cute, trying to get clever by putting Kevin De Bruyne as center defender or some, some nonsense. Um, and if he just puts his best 11 out and, and, and let them play, you have to say that they have the edge in that they, you know, they do have a striker that can put the ball in the back of the net if it comes to a game of inches and a game of chances. Whereas I don't, I don't trust the Bayern players, this, this variation of their team as much, you know, 
there were players in which I trusted, you know, a healthy Arjun Robin. Ooh, yeah, you're done. You know, he's going left, he's going left, he's going left, he's gonna shoot, and you know what he's gonna do and you still can't stop it. You know, Ribéry was a gamer. Uh, Thomas Mueller, um, he's a gamer, but you know, he's getting a little old now. It's just, I don't, I don't trust the psyche of some of the Bayern players now in the, um, the Leroy Sané, who was a former Man City player, and one of the reasons, I mean, he's just, he's inconsistent. His mindset, you know, he kind of drifts out of games, and he doesn't consistently dominate, and though he has all the talent in the world, you just expect to see more, you don't always see it. Uh, Gnabry, you don't always, you know, same thing, you know, you don't always get the best in him. Sometimes he's exceptional, sometimes he's kind of blah. Like Sadio Mane, like, you know, you can kind of tell they're starting, they're trying to force him into the field but it seems like there's so many natural like people that want to play on the left and they're trying to play people out of position just to kind of accommodate that and so their team like all season they they've they've not looked like they've really gotten it together for a stretch they've put the performances in in the champions league that have been necessary um but even then it just kind of seems that um you know, a cohesive, a cohesive unit. And then their defense, it's always, they, they do always tend to concede, you know, you, you, you think why and how, um, but I think part of it is Alfonso Davis, he saves them from a lot of goals, um, but he's also up a lot and out of position. And then it's like, they just, they have these one-on-one counters and it is a little concerning that it might be a field day with with Erling Island, but then it's also, you know, people act like, I don't know, he didn't play in Germany for a couple of years, and, you know, I don't remember any years where he particularly torched them. Uh, obviously, he's always a threat, but but that's the thing, and they, they act like they've never seen him before, they've never played with him, against him before, so... You know, but it's not even that. It's just the the difference is really in the the pedigree of all the other players and the De Bruyne's, who's the one that really scares me. Um, but but you know, honestly, I won't be mad if man. I just want to see a good game. I really just want to see a good game because I do think they have been the two most consistently brilliant teams in the past decade. Obviously, Real Madrid aside, who are the boogeyman who always find a way. We say all this and somehow, someway, Real Madrid is still going to find a way to win it this year. I mean, they just find a way to fucking perform. They do. They find a way to perform when it's needed. And you you have to respect them for that. So we'll see how that ends up working out. But really exciting tie. You have so much star power. You have De Bruyne. You have Phil Foden. You have... Um, you know, Sané, you have Mané, you have, you know, Gnabry, you know, you have Joshua Kimmich, you know, you have Leon Goreska, you know, you have the defensive players, Rodri, man, it is just, it's just star and superstar galore, and it is going to be exciting, and I just cannot wait for this, so um, as long as Pep doesn't overdo it and overthink it, though, you know, I do really think that Man City, um, Man City are the slightly more consistent and the slightly more balanced team.